to full energy From bed right here cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Look on top of the day, come on get to We're gonna win the trophy, we're overdue Now we do the double, make it deja vu It's a move, learn the thing, girl, but it's only on the wing Harry's one of our own island It's only got money, but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking We're the show side, we're the show side We're the show side, what we see We're the show side, we're the show side Now it's a new flood the pain Yo, 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 it's the Shelf Side Podcast, episode 66, and we have a special guest in the building, welcome, 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 Mr. Lero, how you doing, bro? I'm all good, bro, you? Yeah, yeah, surviving the times, surviving the times, Um, we haven't got our co-host inside the building today Kwabna is away somewhere catching some sun rays having a break um visiting i think the other was it what's my maths 88 <laughs> percent of the world that he hasn't visited yet you know it'd be nice if he had sent me an email and said oh you know what do you mind standing in this week he just flies out don't say anything and um, then it's a surprise listen it was a surprise to me. I acted like he told me. I pretended like he told me when he told me, just so he didn't feel bad. But yeah, he just was like, "Yeah, I got to go. Forgot my laptop, mate. You're on your own. Phone Lero." So um, yeah, shout out to you, Cobb. I hope you're enjoying this. You'll probably hear this on your travels. So um, yeah, enjoy the break. Have a cocktail for us. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And remember memos. Nice. Memos for the future. Yes, indeed, indeed. And actually, send a postcard. Maybe it will arrive before you come back. <laughs> you know, because why? The sun always shines on the sun on the self-side podcast, and I bet you it's shining where you are, because it's not here. Mate. Yeah? Mate. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, so last time we caught up, Lero, it was the infamous Bad Dads episode, which we reference all the time. Uh, I believe Jose was still the man in charge, so we've had two managers since then. We now have a director of football. We've had a few ins, a few outs. The landscape looks pretty different at the lane or the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So how are you doing? How are you feeling about the whole thing before we get into it? I feel like it's a farce, trickery. I think it's a sleight of hand. I think Levy's a magician because I think they make us believe that they're in the race and they're doing things and we're a big club and all the rest of it. But quite clearly, our business doesn't show that we're in a big we're a big club or we're in the race. Do you know what I mean? It's taken us ages to kind of get the kind of uh, players in that we need. Uh, we've been linked with everyone and his dog. And do you know what? We've probably the best signing we've had in is uh, Golini for me do you know what I mean so far um, I just think they kind of work their PR out in a way that it's like we can't compete with the Man Cities and the Chelsea's of the world but what we're going to do is do our social business well and make people believe that we're in the mix well I think you're bang on there so <laughs> Well, if you just go back a few years, if you look at the number of players we've been linked with, we've been linked with the world. Yeah. So in, from your Rivaldos to your Suarez's, Wijnaldum's, obviously Willian, he was in the T-shirt, weren't he? Um, we've been linked with everybody, but even Hazard, strong links, and to the point where people believe that we were looking at these players first. But I'm not so sure we were or we have been. I think there's a player who shows promise, and yeah, the whole world's interested, but our PR machine gets out and gets the word out there to the in-the-no sources, and they start printing. Yeah. Um, and then we all believe, yeah, it's going to happen. But I think we're a bit wiser now. I think we've, we kind of know when it's going to happen, when it's not going to happen. Like you see with Galini transfer, you saw with Romero, and when as soon as Fabrizio starts talking about it you know there's a likelihood it's going to happen once the athletic starts writing about it you kind of know that it's going to happen now and the type of players we've brought in they're not bad players for sure they're decent um 
Reminds me of the club down the road a little bit who are building for five years' time. I don't think we're that far behind because we've got some genuine world-class players at our yeah. club in addition. But we are certainly building for the next few years. We're not trying to challenge for the title. Let's just forget that concept right yeah. away. That's not on the cards. And top four is probably not on the cards. If we can get in there, that would be a miracle. That would be down to some astute, signings and some players really performing at their top level who have come in like a Brian um, absolutely outperforming the expectation his XG if you like yeah. um, the likes of um, Romero being who we expect him to be and hitting the ground running once he gets in um, and any other players coming in but if you look at the um, the not the benchmark but the profile of the players we have signed they're all young yeah. So far, um, with the exception of Galina, they're all under 23, and goalkeepers obviously mature later. So at 26, he's still young. Um, but Romero's 23, Gill's 20. Uh, who else have we got in? Uh, Saar, who we've just got in now, just signed today. Pape Saar's 18 and gone back on loan to Mets. Wait, um, hold on. Don't you have to Bola? land at the club? Sign your thing and then go back to say you've been in and you've gone back because he hasn't touched no, down in England he, at all. I'm not sure he hasn't touched down. He's definitely got a T-shirt. He's definitely worn a shirt. He's definitely had the medical, whether that's been done in France or somewhere else in the world. Probably done okay. in France because they've started the season. But maybe France is not that far. He probably did fly in at some point. But I haven't seen any pictures at the training ground. Um, but yeah, he's certainly been some way in, some way out. But when we won't see him until the summer of um, 2022. Cool. Uh, so you can see that those type of players, the kind of profile is building for the future. But don't get me wrong. As I mentioned, Brian could impact this season. Galini could have an impact this season. Um, we'd expect Romero to have an impact this season. And the transfer window isn't close. And they will probably buy some other players. But the two that they're linked with, one is for the here and now. And the other is certainly... One for the here and now, but more for the future. So Mariba from Barcelona, he's for yep. the future, but could yep. compete. He's competed for the place in Barcelona's first team. And um, Traore is definitely for the here and now. So hmm. before we really get into the um, those transfers, I want to come back to those. We've got the biggest news of the transfer window, apart from Messi going to PSG, apart from Cristiano signing for United or being announced for United today, apart from Mbappé wanting to leave and then potentially Haaland leaving. Obviously, the biggest transfer story saga of the whole summer started way back in probably May when Kane sat down with Gary Neville and did that interview and touched on the fact that he may be thinking about a new opportunity. Kane has never said he wants to leave, not publicly, but he may. But it's been rumbling on, but Man City never really put in a bid that would move the needle. So Kane is now staying. He's come out and said he's staying for the summer. How does that make you feel <laughs> about... Kane, how does it not make you feel about Tottenham? Be, be honest, we want you to be honest. I know how it makes you feel. But I'll be honest. Be honest tell, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. All right, I'm going to be honest. That Kane deal was like Nessie. Is there an actual Loch Ness monster? Did Man, Man City actually bid 125 million? I think it's kind of all a myth, to be fair. I think they put in a bid much lower than the, the 100 million mark. So um, I think. He tried to force a move himself. Um, I think he, his team and all the rest of it knew what they was doing from that interview. And do you know what? I have no problem with him wanting to leave. He's given the club, um, you know, good enough service. But for me, I think um, I kind of lost respect for him when my, my man didn't turn up to training. But you don't not turn up to training. You don't start throwing your toys out the pram. You're not that type of player. You're the player that you turn up, you train, you know, the better condition you are in, you know, the better you are for your move. Do you know what I mean? So when he started doing that, all of that kind of stuff, uh, know that I won't be singing his name for the rest of the season. And, and that's because he's in the legend bracket already and he's not left. And that moved 
there wasn't a legendary move. Do you know what I mean? Not for the type of player he is and, you know, how uh, how high we hold him. Yeah, so I just want to touch on the fact that Pep said that he, Man City, tried to do everything they could in order to sign him. But uh, who knows what they offered, but they certainly offered some players. We know the players that have been earmarked, but Kane is staying. Um, Man City didn't do enough. But I agree with you, they're not showing up for training. And you made a very good point, the fact that he is already a legend at the club. So we're going to come on to another potential legend a bit later. But he is actually a legend of the club now. Because if football stopped tomorrow and the world stopped tomorrow and this hadn't happened, he would go down as a legend. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's third top goal scorer. I don't think he's quite second yet. I think he's third top goal scorer still. But that said, he's the modern top goal scorer and he's the Premier League top goal scorer for Spurs. And then obviously, football didn't start before the Premier League. That's all everybody knows. Yeah. So he is a legend. Now he will still probably end up being a legend, um, and. People will have short memories, especially if we win a trophy somehow this season. And Kane's instrumental in that. Not me, but I know you won't. I know, I know you won't. Um, moving on from Kane, we're going to just get through the rest of the transfer stuff this uh, week. Um, Musa Sissoko has left today, um, and I don't expect you to give him glowing a glowing tribute. I just want to say thanks to Musa. Uh, you played your part. You've been at the club for f- a good few years now and you had your best years under Poch. So thank you. Um, he's obviously one in, one out of Spurs and Pape Sar has come in to replace you but won't join until next season. But thank you, Musa. We're losing a few. We've lost Lamella. We've lost Toby. We've lost Vertonghen the season before. Um, a lot of the old guard is moving on. So... This is definitely a new Tottenham. 100%. Um, to be honest, when we bought him, I weren't happy with it. I weren't happy with the actual amount that we paid for him. Um, I was like, how did Daniel Levy get duped? But um, quite clearly, I mean, if we've got three million for him, I'm happy with that, to be fair, and get him off the wage bill. Model professional, so I've got nothing against him like that. Was trying to help M. Dombele. He was a good senior pro. But you just, you know, you've had your two good years and you're just not making the grade. And I think Spurs need to realise and recognise who's not making the grade and out and mate. Like, we're not doing this whole keep Ben Davis for 10 years past his time. I'm not doing that. We're not serious when we're doing that. Not serious. I'm not so sure we're going to get rid of Ben Davies or Eric Dyer. They're serviceable and I think... Nuno has shown who he wants to get rid of and who he's going to keep. But I agree with what you mean. But yeah, I think Levy has a certain plan. And I don't even think Sissoko he will see as a dupe in. I think Sissoko, he said, is always fit, never misses games. And I think he recorded his stats on the pitch in terms of ground covered as opposed to Goals and assists, but hey, that's Levy for you. So basically, he he brought someone in to just run around the pitch while everyone else is playing football. He brought a workhorse, yeah, yeah. That's what Pretty that's much. what he did, and a good return on investment in terms of games played and get, oh, availability per game. I think is what he paid the thirty million for. He's been a model professional, so I'm never going to doubt him. Do you know what I mean? Like, on that side of things, but he was never at the grade when, he, you know, when we bought him. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Not at all. So, we started the season. Yeah. Under Nuno. Yeah. I'll get your opinion on Nuno in a second. Mm-hmm. But we've won two games. Both 1-0. Beat the champions. Yeah. And beat Nuno's old side. 1-0. So, where do you stand on Nuno? Um, and where do you stand on those two results? Um, the second one was a tough watch. And were we a bit lucky against Wolves? A few questions there. Um, do you know what? I think what you've seen of Nuno at Wolves is he's a good professional. You know that he covers the, the basics and the basis really well. Um, and 
For me, what I really like about him, he needs a fit team, he wants a fit team. You have to be a fit player. Like, you have to want to run, you have to want to work for the team, you have to believe the ethos and the dream and the vision and I like that about him I think he's very honest I think um, you you can buy into him quite easily because I think he's uh, forward coming with what he thinks when he doesn't want to answer a question he's just like well you know what that's not really this is internal that's external and I'm not going to talk about it so with Nuno um, I think do you know what I think it's time for him just like many players to step up in their um, careers. I think it's time for him to step up and I believe Spurs is the right club for him to step up at. Do you know what? I think if they... My problem with um, Spurs, Levy, director of football is I think they don't truly let the manager do what he's meant to do. And maybe with Mourinho because he was more of a PR man and, you know he could swing things in interviews and bring kind of different energies and angles to the club and they leave you like that because we never really had that before Um, they let him run with it but I think they should allow Nuno to build a squad how he wants to build a squad you know if it's Endombele he doesn't want doesn't believe that it can work then boy you know what Endombele goes not because Levy thinks well he was a massive investment and I want to keep him and you got to make him good and I think there was a lot of that under Mourinho like well you know your top manager make him good if my man identifies that yo this guy is a rotten apple then at him do you get what I'm saying and I want him to be able to kind of truly set his own stamp on the team Obviously, he understands the wage structure. He understands the uh, the amount of money we have to spend or not to spend. So, you know, I think if they allow him to do what he's meant to do and him and Paratagi, you know, whatever my na- man's name is. Uh, yeah, Paratagi, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Are on the same wavelength and energy. I believe that, you know, they will get in the right kind of players. I just don't want Levy to keep tinkering, bro. It's time for him to stop. Honestly. So on that note, I think uh, Levy has, from what I hear, has stepped aside from the footballing um, decision-making. I think Paratici, um, Paratici, yeah, um, is fully in charge of those decisions now. And I think what you've seen, whether it's come from above or whether it's um, Nuno himself, I think the players that have said that they don't want to be there, Aurier came out and said it in the summer. Dombele's obviously come out and said it. His mates, one of his mates went today in Sissoko. Aurier's supposed to be on the cards. Um, he's not played them. So they've not even featured in the Europa Conference League. So that tells you that there is a um, a will to push those players out who don't want to be there. Kane's the exception, but certainly for some of the other players, the will is there. And he, and to, to be fair to Paratici, he's got rid of some of the older players. Not necessarily Deadwood. Lamella will be seen as Deadwood. I know he scored three goals for Sevilla. Um, in two games, both off the bench, um, one in the game in the night of third minute, whatever it was, the other day. I wouldn't say he's dead wood because he is serviceable and he's experienced. And in a conf- Europa Conference League game, he would be useful. But he is not the future. Certainly, Brian is the future because we know the limits of Lamella, the likes of Lamella at the club, and the limits are a Rabona. Every so often, a moment of madness, more often than not, and a million foot rolls. So that's where we are. And that's why Paratici, to his credit, is cooking, is moving players on, is getting younger players in, changing the profile. um, But we're just not bringing in those truly elite players who are going to potentially move the needle for us and put us in um, contention at the moment. But that's where we are. That's where we are. But we're in the top four or top five at the minute after those victories. It's been a bit tough to watch, if I'm honest. I think we were slightly fortunate against Wolves. I think uh, if a certain Traore had his shooting boots on, we probably don't win that game. 
But we did, and we won it thanks to a man that has had to kind of reinvent himself on the pitch and off the pitch in his hairstyle and his facial hair. And that is <laughs> the man they call <laughs> Delhi Ali, or Ali Delhi. Um, yeah, how, uh, how do you think he played? I, I thought he did well. I was a bit, not critical, a bit reserved on praise for him in the first game and from throughout pre-season. But by all accounts, on Saturday, sorry, Sunday, he did really well. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I think Deli Ali is a baller's baller. And I think he's got the potential to be a baller's baller. I'm, I'm still trying to work out now if he's peaked too early. But um, what we're seeing with him now, this whole high tempo, get myself fit, running up and down, and, you know, competing, that's a bare minimum. So when people say, no, oh, he's had a good game, mate, that's a bare minimum. Like... I still want to see Deli Ali shine. I still don't think he's reached the right potential. I think he's going in the right direction. I think, you know, he's been one of those players that I believe that you could play anywhere on the pitch and he'll work it out. Do you know what I mean? So this whole, well, yeah, he's, he's got used to this deep line role and all the rest of it. Nah, I'm not buying it. Or I'm not saying that he's not doing well, but what I'm saying is we've got to stop praising people for the basics of the job. Deli Ali should be fit. He should be able to run box to box. We're paying him enough money. Like, simple as. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm not saying that he hasn't done well and that, you know, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't changed his mindset and he's becoming one of the best trainers or, you know, that's what they say and he is kind of, you know, putting in the work. But, what is Kwame uh, to say? Relax. Just relax, relax. Like, he's definitely, you know, that's the bare minimum of him. So if we're praising him for that, mate, you know, if he scores two goals in a row, then you know what? He's going to be another legend at Spurs next week. Nah. <laughs> he's got to prove his worth. He's got well, to prove his worth, bro. He's got to prove well, his no. worth. He has to prove his worth all yeah. over again. I think, I think you're right. Just the fact that he's running up and down doesn't mean we should praise him. I think what he has done is adapted to the role of um, a third man in midfield. He previously played there and looked awkward, didn't necessarily do the defensive side of that role. And I think he started to do that under Nuno. I think he got that and I think he's understood that. And... Um, he is looking more of a midfield player than he has done since joining from MK Dons. Now, I think you're right. I think he's got to do more. I think he's got to do more of what he did against Wolves. And he has been trying. He has been the man of the three that has been joining attacks, and which is what you would expect because he's certainly got an eye for goal. And he proved that against Wolves by getting the other side of a nice pass from Reguilón. And drew the penalty um, because he he engineered that contact yeah, with the keeper, course, which was great stuff, and then had the confidence to take the penalty above um, Son, who scored in the last game, and tuck it away. So that is what we expect. We need to see more. We need Delhi to be in there, and we need Delhi to be the type of midfielder that gets us eight goals, eight Premier League goals, and this season for us to really do anything. Obviously, we expect goals from the forward line, so Delhi from midfield with eight would be fantastic. But we need to see it. That's one down, seven more to go. But we spoke of legends earlier, and in that game, Lloris made his 300th Premier League appearance for Spurs, which is a record for a Spurs player beating Darren Anderton. And Darren Anderton, along with Teddy, probably from that era, goes down or go down as modern legend. Um, is Lloris a legend? He's still there. Still going. Over 100 Premier League clean sheets. Mate, in our time, who's, a better, who's the best goalkeeper you've seen at Spurs? Because like man like me was uh, ranting and raving over Eric Toolsvet. So... 
Uh, Eric, the Eric, the Viking. You get what I'm saying? So if, for me, he was the best goalkeeper out of the bunch, you know, Eric, up to this that point, um, I don't think we had anyone after that that I could call, you know, Chris Walker. Was it Chris Walker? Chris Walker. Ian Walker. Ian Walker. Ian Walker. Ian Walker. Come on, bro. This was a go- meant to be a goalkeeper. He should have just done a catwalk. That was him. Do you know what I mean? So, for me, I think, yeah, Larice has probably been the best keeper that we've had. Not only is the best keeper that we've had, I think, league-wise, if you're going to hold him up to the light, yeah, he's probably, you know, he's been top two, top three in the Premiership for a, a, a while. Do you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, he's had his mistakes, he's had his ups and downs, he's a human being. But I think, you know, honestly, I think he's the best goalkeeper that we've seen in our time. And that's no, no you know, no cap. So I think you're bang on. I think you've got to look at everything in perspective. I think... Larise, there's been a nice little article written on him, and I will shout at the Athletic because they wrote it. It was about Larise's tenure and how he's adapted his game. And I spoke to Kobner about this um, briefly um, last week, and he has changed his game. One of the things he's changed was one of the things that allowed him to save the um, Adame Traore effort last week, um, and that was his sweeper keeper. Um, stance has changed. He's no longer a sweeper keeper. He stays on his line a bit more and keeps big and judges the angle and fancies himself with his reflexes to stop shots. And that's what you saw on Sunday. Had he been in his old mould, he probably would have come out and given away a red card or a penalty or a free kick outside the box, whatever, because he would have been caught out. Because, of course, Adame Troy is very quick. But the reason I mention that is because it shows that, unlike the likes of Paul Robinson, who was an England international, um, number one goalkeeper, was brilliant for a period of time, but then dropped well, He was dead. Let's just be honest. Like, he was dead. He was dead. He had about two good games. He was dead. Like, let's not be nice about this. He was rubbish. Like, let's not go there. We see this is the thing with Spurs. You're like a man like you, with the education that you got, you even get sucked into it. No longer am I taking this. He was rubbish. He was good for a season. He was good for a season. I think we find a lot of players that are good for a season and then they kind of live off that um and ride that to the hill. Must have been a weak league that season. <laughs> he did score that goal. Um from a free kick, I believe, against Watford. So one of their only few goalkeepers to do that, certainly for Spurs. But, I mean, even Joe Hart, if you look at Joe Hart as a goalkeeper, um, I know he's trying to reinvent himself in um, Scotland for Celtic, but they peak and then they fall off as goalkeeper, young goalkeepers, what we've seen. But what we've seen from Hugo Lloris is a consistency, even when he's had bad moments and every goalkeeper has bad moments let's be honest but when he's had bad moments they've not affected the mental side of him and I know he had the drink driving situation but even that and then a broken um, elbow even those things he's been able to come back from and perform at a consistently high level and sometimes it goes unnoticed the fact that he is consistently so good because we talk about his kicking because Edison's come into the league um, and can find a man from 70 yards. Great. But have you seen Edison's actual goalkeeping? Have you actually seen his shot stopping? Yeah, no, It's I not as good as Lloris's. No, no, I, I agree with so, you. And I just think that... Um, sorry to cut you. I just think that um, what you've kind of explained is that his mentality... And where he's come from, his football journey has allowed him to be mentally strong. And I think as soon as a goalkeeper loses his confidence, he goes downhill because it's like he never really truly reclaims it. Whereas I don't think uh, Lloris has truly lost his confidence ever because even if he was in a bad vein of form or in a bad place, I think he's mentally fought himself out of there, which has kept him at a top level as a keeper. Yeah, 100%. 
that is the first battle you need to win, and that's the mental side of the game. And shout to Lloris, he has done that, and it's no surprise that he's um, a World Cup winning captain and Tottenham captain. So shout to Hugo, Hugo, Hugo. Um, Hugo, Hugo, Hugo wasn't in goal on Thursday night against Pacos de Ferreira. I don't know how you pronounce their name, but Europa um, Conference League. I'm struggling not to say the GM Vauxhall Conference <laughs> with the name Conference in it, but there you go. Um, we won the game quite convincingly in the end. It was second gear stuff all the way through. Um, I know you caught some of that game. I know you highlighted a couple of players. What did you think overall? Um, I liked it. I think it was kind of spurs under potch in the fact that we controlled the game. We knew what we needed to do to win it. We didn't have to do too much. You know, we just done what we needed. We controlled it in periods. And they never looked like having a chance of beating us. And I, I, I enjoyed that, to be fair. Um, I enjoyed his selection. Um, I enjoyed the normal starting eleven. you know, like the, the subs like Bergwijn and that coming on. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed Gil. Um... I enjoyed... Who else did I really enjoy? I enjoyed Mora. Uh, you know he's my boy. I've been saying it for time. And I know you lot was talking about him in the first game on so and talking about Yeh's. But I've always been... Uh, <laughs> so I say, if you like more, you're more sexual. And I, I've liked it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been feeling... You, you know, anyway, everyone knows that I like Mora. Yes, end product. Yes, he done a cross in that game that was dreadful. I don't know who he was like. He was trying to aim for. Oh yeah, Kane. It was yeah, Kane in the centre. I think he is an yeah. actual amazing player. You know, I think he's underrated. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed uh, Romero. I enjoyed defending forward. Do you know, like the English game, you defend backwards, and this is why people like mm-hmm. Van Dijk and that do so well. Maybe he's not so aggressive or he doesn't look so outwardly aggressive, but he tackles forward as well as backwards. Whereas I think the English game, you're used to defenders tackling backwards, you know, and I think he was wrongly booked. I think he won that ball cleanly. His foot wasn't high. Not even, I don't even care about the studs, but like, there was no uh, intent. No damage to the player. I think he was. I think he was good. And I think looking at him like that shows me that you know what? If he keeps the game and the manager keeps plugging into him, just refine it a bit, but keep defending going forward. I think you'll be a top Premier League player. Yeah, he's a front foot defender. He's an aggressive defender, and that's what you mean when you say um, defending forward. And you're exactly right. Uh, there's a lot to like about Romero. There's a lot to look forward to of Romero. Um, I mean, that challenge was ridiculous that he got booked for that because if he hasn't endangered the other player, then there's no need to stop the game or to pander to the cries of high foot. Um, what I liked about him, I, I know he can defend. Yeah. Um, I've seen him. I like it. Uh, what I liked about him was that ping yeah, 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 he gave yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane in the first 20 seconds. Quality. So we've lost Lord of the Pings. Hopefully we've got a new Lord of the Pings because that will be good for us if we can change it up. And that was always good with us with Toby. Um, but also, he's comfortable on the ball. He likes That's to the bring thing. For, uh, the ball out. That's the thing. And we've got... Yeah, and it's almost... We touched on this. Is he more of a Tongan or a Toby? And he could be the combination of the both, to be honest with you. And that would be massive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's going to be as silky as Jan on the ball because Jan was different right Jan was like very different he was a midfielder playing centre back that's really how good he was on the ball but if we can get a hybrid of the two yeah yeah I might get uh, I might become a Romoro um, sexual and you wear your t-shirt and I'll wear mine. Mate, I don't know what people are going to think if we're sitting next to each other and that's the, you know, the t-shirts that we're wearing. But honestly, I'll be, I'm going to go a step further. This guy has played youth football in many a different position. 
Because the way he's comfortable going up to the top end of the pitch, you could tell that he used to play higher up the pitch. Whether it was just when he was in the park or playing with his boys, this guy wasn't like, I'm a defender and I'm going to say in the defence. He was like, I'm a striker. And then I was like, no, you're better at defending, but you're, you're good at going forward as well. So you go to the back and then when you get your chances, you break. Because then Monday are not breaking like him. Because they're not breaking to the edge of the box and looking for a 1-2 to then to say, well, I'm going to either square or score. They're like, oh, we're over the halfway line. You know, uh, who, who wants it? Kind of thing, you know. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, let me give it to my man. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, you could see the fluidity, the fluidity in his foot and his football when he's up in the, uh, the nosebleeds. He, it's not a problem to him. Do you know what I mean? And this is why I'm saying to you, oh, I can see a bit of a baller in him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I see it too. I see it too. And also, we saw, um, we touched on earlier, that Brian, so you, we call him Gil because it's Brian Gil, but he wears Brian on his shirt, so I'm going to go with the Brian like I call Lucas yeah. Lucas. Um, Brian... I knew about Brian. I knew, Like I know about Moriba, I do follow my Spanish football. Yeah. And I tracked Brian quite a bit, especially as I touched on when Barca were interested in him or rumoured to be interested in him. And I saw a player there, and but he played a very different position. I say very different. He played a different position to what he did in the first yeah. game. And I saw a bit of David Silva in him in mm -hmm, the first game. Mm -hmm. And I felt, could he do that? Because he's slight as well. And... We lack creativity, especially for, with no Don <laughs> Could he play in that eight role? You need to stop thinking like me. Yeah, well, well it's going to be difficult. We wear the same damn clothing without <laughs> choosing or speaking to each other about it, um, as our missus will um, tell. But, yeah, I liked it. I like him in the eight role. I do. I agree. I, I think... Slyly, he could do the Ericsson role quite easily. I, I, you know, like I've got high hopes for him. You know, I, I said to you the other day, he's he's a runner, but he's not explosively fast. You know, yeah. he can see a pass, he can see a shot. And I think if they manage him well, and, you know, imagine he came back from the Olympics early. He decided to do that because he wanted yeah. to hit the ground running. Now, if he can keep that kind of hunger and desire in the club, keep him interested, we win a couple of things on the way. And you know, like winning is important. It's actually important for these young players. You can't just say, oh, development's all about just kind of understanding them and nurturing them and, you know, kind of giving them a path, pathway to the first team. Winning is important. That, like they need to have winning in there with their development. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if we can do that for him, I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, only, and he could uh, avoid injuries and what's not, you know, any serious injuries. I think the sky's the limit for this guy. Because I think, like, I'm surprised Barca didn't snap him up. Because he kind of reminds me of a messy type player. Yeah, that's been the other talk, uh, uh, Messi. I guess left-footed, I uh, guess dark hair, I guess diminutive figure, I guess slightly built. Um, I guess he glides past players, always wants to run at them as well. You uh, stereotype in, so I stereotyping. You sound like you're stereotyping. I'm stereotyping. <laughs> I'm saying that's why a few people have compared him with Messi. So I get it. I get it. Um, I, I just... You can't mess with goats, so I don't want to say it because I hope it, but I don't want to say it. Yeah. But yeah, certainly have high hopes for Bryant. Um, but Lo Celso played well in that game. It was instrumental in the Kane's second goal. Um, obviously, I think he got credited for the third goal, which I think he was going for goal um, with that cheeky free kick. Yeah. Uh, with the lack of, I would say, I just touched on it, creativity in this current Mourinho side in the free. Um, yeah. Does Lo Celso if fit? Does he force himself in? He can drive. He's got an idea. He's got an idea for a pass. Doesn't always come off. He's got an idea. Um, does he force his way in if fit? Are you asking me from my perspective or how I see it from a club perspective? 
Well, they sound like they're going to be different, so give me both. Okay, from a club perspective, then yes. I'm just going to give a simple answer is yes. From my perspective, I feel that he's not been consistent in the, in the time that he's been there. Will, does that make me rely on him? No. Um, do I think he's going to get injured at some stage? Yes. Um, do I think this is the season for him to turn his mentality around? I hope so. Um, is there a player there? Yes. You know, I just feel like he's, him and Ndombele are similar. Do you know what I mean? Not talent-wise, you know, they're completely at the different ends of the spectrum talent-wise. Not that one's good and one's bad, but I mean, what they do is completely different and how they play the game. But I think Nacelso yep. could be massive. But is he mentally prepared and ready to be that massive player? And that is, you know, I think if he is, he, he doesn't have as many injuries. Do you know what I mean? We need him for 90% of this season. Do you, do you want to take a bet whether we're going to have him for 90% of the season? Because I don't think we will. Well, and there you go. And that's why the question was probably phrased um, or framed as, if fit, does he start? Because he has been seldom fit in his time, in his short time at Spurs. Hey, like, it's long, bro. We shouldn't be... You should have, we shouldn't be having players like that. It's long, bro. That's another Lamella, you know, Tanganga's another one that I think to myself, mate, if you mentally decide that the right-back's yours, I guarantee you, you won't get as injured as much. And I know because of the style of play that he plays, people are going to say, well, he get injured more. But we know many a player that play like him, that style of play, with even a bit more power and all the rest of it, and we went true. Like, we went through week after week after week after month after month. Maybe got a little knock, but still kept on going. Like, and I think the yeah, desire, right. the understanding, the belief. Is, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I make you right. Sorry to interrupt. I think you're right on both counts. I think you're right. Generally, with footballers, we, I think the answer or the, the role model is there staring at them in the club and in, in Pierre Hoybier. Um, as I've touched on many a time in the pod, this guy's been playing injured for God knows how long. Um, his mentality is to just play. If I can walk, if I can run, I will play. And I'm not saying take cortisone injections to get through, but there are injuries you can play on that not necessarily making your body worse, but you, you're probably going to pay with a little bit of pain. Um and sports scientists and physios will probably shout, shouting at the pod now, shouting at their radio or their phones now, saying, well, if there's pain, there's an injury. Not always. You know what we need to do? Um, Sorry to cut you. Bring back the cold bucket of water. <laughs> bring back the bucket. The magic sponge. <laughs> bring it back. Because I tell you, man will jump up and start running if they see that, you know, the magic sponge and that cold bucket of water coming. Uh, you know, I... I honestly, you know, I don't believe that the professional game, the mid-level game and the lower-level game, as in uh, the intensity or the requirement of your body is any different. I think these guys at the top of the game trade to a very high standard, so they're fitter, they're, you know, their muscles are stronger, so the demand is the same as someone at the bottom end of the um division that doesn't train as much uh, but plays equally as hard to the amount that they train do you get what i'm trying to say so how are they recovering from all of these or not even getting these injuries and where you're at the top of the game and meant to be 50 times fitter and every minute you've got an injury it don't make no sense yeah i mean you raise very good points as always as always and speaking of bodies failing and the likes of brings me on to tongi Dombele, um, or Ndombele, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce his name. Magic feet, magic vis, a baller's baller, but even a baller's baller will be annoyed at Tongi not making himself available, not getting fit, not having the right mentality. So is that the case? Is that the case, did you say? Is he making him, sorry to cut you, yeah, is that the case? Is he making himself not available? Well... I mean, you raise a good point because he has been sidelined, but he's been sidelined through mentality because he doesn't want to be at the club. And 
there is there are two arguments there because there is an argument that he actually has been disappointed in the club for well Mason for dropping him for the cup final. Yes, he played poorly in the game leading up to it, the Southampton game. But you often find players that kind of reserve um, their energy for the big cup final game um, the following weekend. And he didn't even feature in that final when we were so out of it, couldn't um, beat the press. So do we know what happened there? Like, honestly, do you know, I know you've got a lot of inside sources and that. Do we know what the reason was for him not to be even selected? Because a bad game doesn't mean that you're not in the squad, not with your talent. So do we know, or even semi-know, what happened, why he was not even in the squad? No, I don't know if it was um, a personal issue. It feels like it was a personal issue because Mason never selected him again. Um, for a start, I don't believe. Um, and that's kind of shocking. Um, we know Mason's not old enough to have any children that um, Don Bele could have got involved with under <laughs> Moy's situation. So we rule that out. But I don't know. I really don't know with Don Bele. I think, I think it was a, personal thing if you imagine if a manager comes in and wants to be bold and say right you didn't play well I'm dropping you we need an industrious midfield against City um, and then you fall out with him you know what I'll jump in and say is one bad game enough for you to drop my man out of the final one of the best players at the club yeah I'm not saying put you know put him straight back in maybe his mindset isn't right but is it enough to say yo you're not even in the match day squad well, he was in the squad, um, but he didn't come on. And to your point, it's definitely not enough for him to not actually feature in that game at any point when you're losing and you can't beat the press. And he's a player who has performed against City, both for Tottenham and for his former club, Leon, to great results. So I think... That's shocking, and I don't know what's gone on there. I really don't know what's gone on there, and I think that was the beginning of the end for Dombele. I know what happened. He said, "Little man, sit down, bruv. Don't chat to me. Little man, sit down." That's how he handled Mason. Let's just be honest. We know that's what he done. That's why Mason was like he made a a thing out of this because Mason's tried to say certain things to him, and he said, "Listen, little man, you're not. You can't tell me nothing." Let's just be honest. I hear you, me but you then now, because of that and the fact that Sissoko was going to be sold and the fact that Aurier is going to be sold um, and he's just had a baby, I, I, I would have thought he would want to be settled because he's had a baby, but it seems like he wants to leave because that's happened. And I think that's the reason he's been sidelined by Nuno as opposed to him not being fit, which was the rumour, because he's been photographed every day in training with his hat on still. But, He'd been photographed. So, yeah, it's a bit of an awkward situation, but I just pray and wish, well, I hope, and this is what I expect. I expect no club to come in for him because they can't afford his wages and Levy's already proven he's not going to be low-balled in transfer fees. So unless it's a loan, I can't see any club coming in and taking him this season. So I'm hoping there's a way back for Dombele at the club. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. I think, like, my opinion of him has gone down because it's not like we're the worst of the worst. You just have to buy into the the idea and, you know, you have to be, in your mind, like, think about it. If you're good how you are at the moment and that's like a semi-fit, you can last 90 minutes and, you know, but you're not someone that can last 130 minutes. You should be training for 130 minutes. So 90 minutes is a, is a, a walk in the park to you. Do you get what I'm saying? Like the uh, Ronaldo's and the Messi's and those kind of players in the world, they train for, like, they don't train for 90 minutes. They train for a longer game. So through the 90 minutes, they're at peak form through the 90 minutes. And for me, regardless of where you are, 
you should always want to be the best at where you are. So if my man's doing 17K, you know, in a certain amount of time and he's the top runner at the club, as a top baller, you're fit, you should say to yourself, oh, maybe I won't be as fast as him, but let me try and get up to his numbers. You know, that's a challenge there. Okay, Kane does X amount of shots and scores X amount. All right, I'm not a striker, but let me could try and compete with him. So even if you start hitting the numbers like Kane's hitting 17 in this and you're hitting 15 in this, you know that the benchmark is good. And for me, I, I'm just kind of mad with him that, you know, you've got so much love and so much support. We can see your talent and you are moving like a idiot. Straight. I'm saying it. No, he is. He's certainly not making the most of his opportunity. He's not making the most of his talent. He's obviously on a lot of money. He's in a big city. He's young, but he's not that young anymore. And he has been at the club two years, so he should be settled. And even if Sissoko and Oria are moving on, he should still have the mindset to say, OK, I've still got Larice here. I've still got other players who I've bonded with over this period of time. And it's bigger than that. This happens in football. I need to show my worth, knuckle down, get playing for Spurs, show what I can do and get back in the French squad. It's a World Cup year next year. But I don't see it. And, and that makes me, unlike Lloris, question his mentality. Definitely question his mentality. There seems to be a lack of something in there. Um, someone needs to get around him and give him a clip around the arrow. You ask about inside knowledge and literally they believe he's a party boy. That's that's what I'm hearing, he's a party boy. Um, but Delhi's a party boy, but Delhi can knuckle down. So um, he needs to be able to do the same thing. Do, do you think, Move, right, we're at that stage again where... Because we were at a stage for a while, it's like if you can't play for Man City, Chelsea or Liverpool... Spurs are the next best thing because they'll give you the wages and it's a nice stadium, you know, good setup, and we just go there and park off for a bit. Do you get me? Do you feel that we're, we're kind of back there? or Because I feel like some players, that's what they used us for and now they're like, nah, nah, I want to move on. Like Endombele. I know what you're saying, David Bentley. I know we've discussed this quite a bit in the past. I was hoping we weren't. Certainly when Dombele came, I didn't think we were there. Um, even though players wanted to move on, I don't think they came with that necess that intention per se. Um, but yeah, we are, I think by definition, by being a London club, by um, being at the top table in the Champions League, we certainly have the ability to enhance a player's profile. Um, especially if we're not winning things, we can still compete, we still look good, we still make, always create genuine world-class players. And that's been proven yeah. over the years. Yeah. Um, we sell players, although we sell them to Watford's um, and West Ham's in the past, our top players, we sell them to Real Madrid, yeah. Man United, yeah, um, Man City. So there is that stepping stone. And uh, I mean... I'm just going to contradict myself here because the rumours were that when Son came, Son was using us as a stepping stone. His career had been mapped out meticulously. Um, it was go to Germany because that suits your style of play. Then once you've established yourself, make your way to the Premier League. And then once you've done that, then you will be more rounded. And then you finish at your idols club in Madrid, in Cristiano. And that was kind of where his career path was mapped out to. And, Son stayed and Son has had the opportunity to go um, and others have gone but maybe we are there maybe that's what Dombele thought but although other clubs were interested in Dombele I don't think we have the power to beat PSG uh, for his signature Barcelona for his signature at the time um, so he obviously wanted to come to us or they didn't want him. Yeah. Um, and maybe they didn't want him for the reasons that we're seeing now, which is that he, his fitness is an issue, was an issue. And maybe we took the gamble because the talent 
was too much to turn down and the potential was too much to turn down. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I don't know. I think I think we're we're looking at other type of players now. I think one of the other players we're rumoured um, to look at, as I touched on, um, was Traore. And straight question, because we're running out of time, would you take Adame Traore, yes or no? For what money? I think the rumour was 40 million, or I think it could be a loan now to and 25 million. So a season-long loan would probably be obligation to buy at 25 million. Do you know the only the only thing I think about this? Like I think he has something to offer. He has that blistering pace, you know, free man hanging off of him, kind of, you know, we're, let's worry about him and then it gives other people more space. I get all of that. End product is not up to um, spec. Uh, are we going to be the club to say, oh, yeah, we can make him do that uh, at Spurs? But hold on, Nuno was his manager before. Is maturity going to make him do that? Okay. Mm. Yeah, I know you said yes or no, and I'm just not going to give you that. <laughs> um, uh, you had one yeah, job. No, no, no. I, well, it's like Toyori. I don't think he could bloody give you the one job that we want him to do. <laughs> like, I think he, basically, I think he balances the squad, so I don't want him. I think the, the going forward attacking and all that is great with the speed and all the rest of it. And I think he will, he can pose a threat. But I think he will imbalance the squad. That's the truth. Unless we play Lucas down the middle, I still think he imbalances the squad. That's it. Oh, you, you got the Lucas bias. Oh my God. Please. <laughs> Come on, man. When are we going to put some respect on Lucas's name? I'm a Lucas fan too. No, I'm a Lucas fan. Like, I. I. I, I look at other clubs and I think they've got options. And yeah. I guess Kane staying now gives us a different option because it means Son doesn't have to play through the middle. Um, so then you have Son potentially, Bergwijn or Lucas. And then you've got that other person plus Brian as attacking options, maybe Scarlett, maybe a forward if we buy one. But then Adama gives us that other option. I'm not saying it has to be Adama, but I would like another option. And it could be another centre-forward, but I think we need another option. No, I hear that. I hear uh, that. And I think if we play, you know, if we're willing to give Lucas that time again in the down the middle, because I think he's so effective down the middle, I don't really think he's a winger. Do you know what I mean? I think he's now migrated into that kind of, give me that kind of free role across that, front three or you know not the striker role but you know uh the number nine role but give me a free role and i think especially down the middle i think he causes so much problems do you know what i mean and it's a different oh, he does you can go either way i was gonna say it's a different type of dribbling they're like oh man try is dribbling is amazing no my man is sheer power in a straight line that's not yeah, that's one is. type of dribbling. That's not Mora dribbling, Rude Boy. Like, it's not. It's not. Hundred percent. No, Mora leaves you for dead. Goes around you. Goes inside. Goes outside. Can swivel, spin, turn. Yeah, he can do it all. Yeah. I mean, the problem with Mora in the ten role today is that Nuno's playing a four-three-three, and he is probably liking more in industry in the middle of the park in the free yeah. and then you have to then play with two kind of wide players and the central striker um that's what he did at wolves with his 4-3-3 and that's what he's done so far so i think lucas will be playing wide for a period of time doesn't mean he can't drift in but certainly starting from that position. But when you say in, but sorry, I, when you say industry, you mean what do you mean by industry? Um, workers. Is that not Lucas? Um, in the free though, in midfield. So you don't want Lucas tracking back. No, in of course filling not. A full of, back of course role. not. But I think about him, and I think he's non-stop running. I think if there's anyone in the Spurs team that nicks the ball. Quick, that starts the defense up the top end of the field. It's Lucas. Who does it more than Lucas? Yeah, there isn't anyone. There isn't anyone. 
Oh, he's very industrious. He's very hard-working in that. He's definitely hard-working, but you don't want Lucas tracking back no, into your no, right-back no, no, spot because his best asset isn't his passing. It's his yeah, dribbling. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's over-hard work. And I, I, I think I've looked at a lot of teams and I think to myself, this whole everyone has to defend and everyone has to get behind the ball and like you've got your strikers like playing, you know, making the, the sweeper. And I'm like, nah, mate. I think there's a stage for that, but I think there's, like, Kane, I don't want to see Kane running all the way back unless he has to. He's 28. Like, do you know what? We should have 10 men behind the ball that could deal with 11 players. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or 10 players. Do you know what I mean? We shouldn't have to have uh, 11 versus 11 or 7 versus 7 at all times. Do you know what I mean? We play, you train overloads. Do you know, like, I don't get it. Do you know what I mean? Let him be more effective and more energy up the end of the field that we need him. Well, you're seeing that with Nuno anyway. Nuno has, against City, we gambled, right? So we left the three up top first half to cause them a problem, to make them pass wide. And that's a gamble. So he says we'll deal with everything else that comes from it. Um, But we'll see. We'll see because um, I think we've touched on the fact that Nuno's flexible. As horses for courses, we've had a tough away game. We've had um, a very tough home game. Now we've got a game on Sunday against Watford, which yep. is a game you would expect us to win. We've had over the years, especially under Poch, a very good record against promoted sides. Um, Watford do have some pace and do have some threats and could have Danny Rose appearing at left back and I think we should give him a warm reception. I'm sure we will if he does play. I think Sissoko signed too late for them to play. But I think it's a game where we're expected to be on the front foot and not the back foot. So it'll be very interesting to see what the lineup is, if he sticks with the same and if he does stick with the same lineup, how they actually play. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know the one thing I like about Nuno, right? And this is, I want to make this short and sweet. You see when uh, Mourinho used to talk about, or most managers talk about, you know, we just take it game by game and, you know, it's yes, it's not about that. I'm not looking into the future. Why am I doing a, a foreign accent? Um, I don't know, but it was okay. Yeah, (laughs) right, sorry. Yeah, but, like, you know, they talk about this whole taking it game by game. I don't believe them. But you see, when Nuno talks about taking each stage, as in, we've won today, I'm dealing with recovery now. I'm not thinking about anything else. Uh, And then after recovery, I'll deal with the next day, the next, like, leading up to the game. So every day is important, leading up to the the next game. I actually believe him. Yeah, I actually, I think he's very believable. I don't know why, but I I know what you mean. He seems to be very believable, authentic and genuine in the way he speaks to the media. Um, He doesn't seem to pull the wool over your eyes. I know know what you mean there. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think... That is a very positive thing for our club and for the players. I think if he actually goes about his day-to-day in that strategic manner, uh, belief and mindset, I think, like, imagine we could beat Watford this weekend and come away with three games out of three. Like, massive absolutely massive and then you know what have the international break and then do the same thing for the next game and I mean you know we may not win it we might get a draw we might, but have that approach to every game and then all of a sudden you're halfway through the season you know with a good record like, and that is what I don't believe the other managers or especially Mourinho I, I know he used to say it but I don't think that's how he thought I just think that's what he used for the media yeah, I mean, you can never trust what Mourinho is saying. He was very media savvy, very thought he was always smarter than the majority of people he spoke to, and he was a very clever person, is a very clever person. But I know what you mean in terms of preparing for the next game, because if you think like that, you actually believe it, then you're actually setting your strategy, picking your team, 
um, and tactics for that game. So you stand a better chance and you're not thinking five, six games ahead, rotating, doing a pep. Um, like, I mean, there is there is room for forward thinking, but if you're actually preparing for the next game at hand, it does help you massively. And you're not overlooking the opponent's no. threats and dangers and getting caught out by a set piece or a corner or a low block, etc. So certainly... We will see on Sunday when Nuno sets out his team and tactics how much he has respected Watford and thinking about that game. But I think, bro, that is all we've got time for today. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. Um, there are so much we didn't get to go through, uh, like the Conference League draw, which I'm not going to read too much into, but I think one thing I can say is we seem to have Europa League standard teams, at least two of them in there. So maybe we can't just play the kids if we want to progress in that tournament. Yeah. Um, lastly, I'm going to shout some of the new cities because I don't think I did that. Uh, so Dublin, you've been listening hard. I don't think you're a new city, but I can see you've been going hard. Ada, Michigan, always shout you. You know why. Um, Sacramento, California, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Florence, I think that is Alaska, Alabama, AL. Kobner's the man of the world, not me, so apologies um, if that isn't the correct state. St. John's, Canada, and Thornley, Australia, shout out to you guys. Welcome, 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 Mr. Shelfside Podcast. Lero, thank you You're welcome, for joining bro. us. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for your honesty and all. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. And what does Kwabna say at this point? If you're on iTunes, please like, subscribe, leave a review. Five stars, we only give you five-star content only. If you're on Twitter, follow us at ShelfPod. Please, please, please join in with the banter. We throw out some wild statements, mostly me. Kwabna will say I'm moving mad. But we don't say that anymore because Love Island took that and just ruined it. So, yeah. Um Man's going wild on there, but um, join in. It's fun. I like to press buttons. Um, I like to get responses. So please join us. Please subscribe us. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Join us next week, and remember, people, keep smiling because the sun always shines on the Shelf Side Podcast. And Lero, I can say to you, please do your thing. Show side, with the show side, with the show side, with the show side,